What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, episode number 205. So where this week we're talking about The Christmas Chronicles 2 on Netflix, Fat Man, which is, uh, it's not theatrical, but it came out on VOD, and The Mandalorian, season two, chapter 16, the season two finale. Uh, my name is Grayson Maxwell. And it's me, Roger Stillian. And I'm Christopher Bond. We are all coming to you from different locations. We are all completely remote, as there may or may not have been a COVID scare, but we're just handling everything remote for this week. So please bear with us. If there's audio technical or difficulties, we will take care of them as they come up. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, honestly. So, <laughs> what's going on, Roger and Chris? How's your week been? How are you, are you enjoying the Christmas lead-up? No. I don't like Christmas. <laughs> it launched like Christmas. I just don't. I worked retail for too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. See, I, I I can attest to that. Retail can ruin this time it, it here just, for you. It just sucks the life out of you, man. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I am excited. I love Christmas. It is my favorite time of year. So just count. I also love Christmas. And I mean, Chris, you have two girls that are like, you know, like I'm sure super happy about Christmas. Roger, isn't your daughter like super happy about Christmas? Yeah, I mean, she's happy, but like super excited. I mean, not obnoxiously so, but. If I told her Christmas got moved a week later, she'd be like, okay, Dad. <laughs> no. Yeah. Just don't tell her Christmas got canceled. I'll never do that. Just because, well, I mean, that's the thing. So Christmas is going to be different, just like Thanksgiving was different this year. Like, not everybody's going to come to visit. You know, yeah. it's going to be less stuff going on, which is fine for me. I'm, I'm super pumped for that. But, <laughs> you know. That's fair, I guess. I mean, I'm not really into the whole. Um, usually we do something with the neighbors on Christmas, but I'm, I'm kind of happy to not because like, I don't, I just, with the way the world is, I just, everyone stay in their own places, please. Yeah. You know, I, I, mean, don't, you know, I just think it's we're, we're a couple of months away from this being over. Don't screw it up now, people. Come on now. I sure hope so. I mean, it's, we're, we're, look, we need 20. I watched a video today about like this, this, this guy did a video and he did a video when like he, someone wore a shirt that said 2019 and then the I'm playing a character. He's like, "How bad can 2020 be?" And then they just did this whole like five minutes skit. Everyone wearing a different shirt of like, you know, COVID and the tsunami and wildfire, and then like toilet paper prices and Zoom. You know, it's just it was so funny. But I mean, let's be honest. Has there been a worse year and like that you can remember that would just when so many bad things across the globe happened? Yeah, I mean, there was once a year where a comet hit the planet and wiped out you know three quarters of all the living population including the dinosaurs and spawned many, many uncountless diseases. So yeah, we're doing fine. We're fine. Yeah. I mean, by comparison, we're doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Extinction, COVID-19. What say you, Chris? I mean, you know, it, it sucks that it's happening during this time of year. Cause this is the first, you know, full, this will almost be a year since COVID started. Right. So Basically we're, we're a year now. Yeah. Yeah, we're closing in on it, and, you know, it's just, it's weird for the holidays. It's one thing when it's, like, you know, early spring, I don't want to be outside anyway, that kind of stuff. But now it's, like, you know, familyness, togetherness. You know, people are supposed to be, you know, getting together and all that. It does, it does, it does hurt a little bit, but it is what it is. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. But we're getting through it. We're, we're watching some movies. We're watching, um, we're watching all kinds of stuff, streaming. You guys, uh, you guys have any super big plans for Christmas before we move into the episode, or no? Does binge drinking count? <laughs> I thought that'd be one of your plans, but I'm kudos to you, man. It's binge not drinking. one of my plans. It's all of my plans. <laughs> it's the plan, sir. Mm. Yeah. 
I have multiple contingencies just in case one fails. I.e. I run out of a certain type of alcohol. <laughs> What's your backup alcohol? I have several. But I'm okay. listen, I legitimately have like 40 bottles of wine in my house just in case. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't really have any desire to drink those 40 bottles. But guess what? They're there if I need them. There you go. <laughs> I got guns and ammo in this house. I don't really want to use them, but I got them if I need them. <laughs> so... You are you're a true American, sir. You are definitely a true American. What about you, Chris? Any big plans? Or you just gonna chill out the homestead? Nope, just gonna gonna survive. You know, see see my girls. You know, take care of take care of that on that end, and have a good day. I hope to see very little family. It'll be great. I do respect that survival was the first on your list. <laughs> I guess I didn't put it high enough on my priority list. <laughs> yeah, maybe there you Maybe like survival and then binge drinking for me. There you go. Or or maybe to survive binge drinking. Make it make it real interesting. Oh uh, no, it's it it's fifty fifty. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right, this is episode two hundred and five of For the Love of Cinema, a podcast about movies, film, and cinema, which posts each and every week at two, sorry each and every Tuesday at five a.m. on Podbean, which then distributes to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and then Amazon Music. Each and every week, we start with the box office, current and upcoming releases, talk about some trailers, and then move into the movies we're excited to talk about. Let's look at the box office. What do you guys think took Numero Uno this week? Wasn't it the Croods again? No, actually, Monster Hunter squeaked it out by a tenth of a, of a million. So. Oh, my God. But, oh like, God. opening weekend wasn't good. But So, 2.2 domestic, but actually, worldwide, 7 million. I believe that just because of other markets. That's a pretty decent opening for. That's a way better opening than I thought Monster Hunter was going to have. I thought it was going to cap out at somewhere at ten, but it might actually exceed that now. So <laughs> might might blossom to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet you Monster Hunter sees twenty twenty five by the no, end of the. No, no, no. I write that. I'm just saying. I mean, we have Stop. two weeks of a lot of people not working. Um, yeah, and COVID. <laughs> <laughs> right, fair, fair enough. Number two, Crude's a new age, bringing in a new 2.1 million domestic, making its worldwide total. Chris, you're going to love this, 85 million. Yeah. Yeah, all right. And then we have number three, Fatali, which is it is 918,000 worldwide. It, that's what it made domestic, so it must only be a domestic total. Uh, Elf re-released, the 2020 release, $365,000, bringing in a total of 2, 2 million. So that almost be Monster Hunter incident. It's a twenty. It's a sixteen-year-old movie. Mm. Uh, Half Brothers still hanging in the top five. I'm sure it'll be kicked out soon, with two hundred seventy-one k, but bringing its worldwide total to one point eight point one one point eight nine million. That's not great at all. Not even a little bit is that good. I'm really anxious to see what Wonder Woman throws up with the uh, Wonder Wonder Woman's Wonder Woman's actually. Um, the The article right below the the week, the latest weekend, says. Monster Hunter debuts number one in North America with 2.2 million, while Wonder Woman 1984 underwhelms overseas. Yeah, it's so gonna be I hope that's ju- I hope that's just because of COVID, not because it's bad. Well, I haven't heard it as bad yet, so hmm. I mean we're too far, we're too far into it to not know that it is not bad. That's true. That's All point. right, and our newest segment: What streaming we are back to Netflix. You can take a look at last year's Klaus. It's uh, by directed by sorry, director Sergio Pablos, who also plays one of the voices. 
Uh, it is an Academy Award winner nominee, as you'll remember, Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Norm MacDonald, Joan Cusack. It's an animated story about what happens when all the presents stop going to kids around the world. Uh, you guys remember we talked about, we didn't actually talk about it on the show, but we talked about it existing last year, but it was up for a couple of awards. So maybe we, um, if you have nothing to do, maybe you should check that one out. It's free on Netflix. Uh, the second thing is Ava, which we have talked about recently as it didn't it didn't come out so we could see it, but it's, it's on out on Netflix. Yeah. It is. I, I saw huh. it hit the Netflix bar. I'm just it like, did. huh, weird. Director Tate Taylor, Jessica Chastain, Colin Farrell, John Malkovich, Common, Gina Davis, and Eon Grufford. Uh, you know, it's all about the assassins, the bag of the, the black ops, the, the betrayal. You've seen the story a million times, but, I mean, that's a pretty good cast. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. it's an A-level cast, but it's certainly... You know, it's certainly up there. You said John. Mal- you said John Malkovich. John Malkovich, Common, Colin Farrell, Chastain, Gina you, Davis, even. And you yeah. said not, you said not, not an A plus cast. I don't. I, don't I, th- I I think lately we've had some movies with better casts. We've we've talked about, but. Right. And the third movie I want to talk about is well, I want to recommend you watch is The Professor and the Madman by director Farhad Sarfina. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Mel Gibson, Sean Penn, Eddie Marsan, Steve Coogan, and Ian Gruffid in his second movie of the week. We are talking about one Mel Gibson movie, Fat Man, today, and I, I'm just a fan of Mel, Mel Gibson, and I think that that man is one of the best things that ever happened to acting, so we will see. We will see. Um, current events, COVID, theaters opening again, theaters closing again, done. Let's talk about some trailers. Roger Palmer. So our boy uh, Jay Timberlake back in an Apple TV uh, Plus original film looks, uh, looks interesting. It looks like it's gonna try to rip your yeah. for redemption. Befriends a little boy who's got some uh, pronoun-related issues. So, um, yeah, ought to be interesting. We'll see how this, I, uh, this turns out. I think so. And Chris, I understand you 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 hadn't had a chance to view the trailer yet. No, not yet. But well, okay. So what if okay? So the way we just described it, are you in or are you out by that description? Just because the way Roger described it, I'm I'm in to see what all that means. <laughs> well, I like Justin Timberlake as an actor. I always thought he was underutilized when he I when, when seen he was him be bad in any movie I that he's had a major role in. That's honestly. true. Even even in what what was his first major one? That was that uh, in time one. In time. Right? Yeah, I mean, even in that he's good in that movie. It, it's just the movie's not that great. No, that's very. There fair are some assessment. other ones that. Well, he was an alpha dog. Remember that one? Yeah, but he's a him? secondary character. Yeah, he's not a main character. You know, but he's he's been in things on and off. I just don't think he's ever carried a role like this. But I really hope it's. I love these kind of Roger. You know me very well, and Chris, you probably know me pretty well by now too. Is I love the redemption stories. I'm huge fan of completely broken characters finding some kind of redemption in the, in the world and sticking to it. I'm huge on those. Yeah, so this trailer really is so – you said that you like the way I described it because you want to know what I'm talking about. So yeah. he's an ex-con trying to get back – going back to his hometown, um, you know, trying to get his life back together. He ends up living in a trailer across from um, some deadbeat mom and her mm-hmm. son. And her son, you know, dresses like a girl, plays with dolls. You know, and there's a large part of this movie. He's like, you know you're a boy, right? And the little kid's like, yeah, I know. You know, as he's wearing a dress, playing with his Barbies, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that's going to be the overwhelming force behind this film. Hmm. And uh, okay. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that out. So Yeah, I agree. So yeah, ought to be fun. And ought to be actually probably pretty dramatic. Yeah, and I have Apple TV, so that's a plus. There you go. 
No, I'm very excited for that. I'm actually, I saw, you guys remember when I texted you and I saw that trailer? I just, I'm telling you, I just, it's something that I think it's 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 well timed coming out in January. It's a good thing, you know. Apple is a new streaming program that needs good original content, so I'm 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 all for it. So I'm definitely all for that. Now, Roger, what did you think about no no mad no mad land? No Madland. No so, Madland is about um, a lady that drives around in her little RV camper, whatever you decide, whatever your nomenclature is for that. And I'll be honest, I told Grayson before we started, if this didn't have Francis McDermott in it, I would have no, um, no inkling to want to watch this at all. Zero. But I mean, I, but Francis McDormand is good enough. That I there's an interest for me because of that because she's so good at what she does that that's where the interest is. It, it looks kind of it looks very independent ish, yes. you know. Certainly very low budget. Um, it's that, that that very digital crisp look, you know. That's they're shooting it as cheaply as possible. Yes. Um, I don't mind that as long as, as long as the story's good, I'm all in. And Frances McDormand, she rarely disappoints. What was that movie we do? Um, three billboards three outside. Billboards. Yeah, outside Ebbing, Missouri. Chris, you ever watched that movie? Which one? Three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri. No, you no, should I watch that movie. I think. Man, that's a, that's a good one. I think you would love Jeez. it. Hmm, okay, that's one of those movies that you will like stick with you for months. People doing badass things. Well, yeah, I mean, John. Then, hell yes, you'll want to watch it. <laughs> all right, all right. But it's it's not it's not you used to mention it's not like in a John Wick way. It's in no, a very no, different no, way. It's certainly not. Oh, I was but just, man, it's it's so it's just it's one of those movies you won't forget. That's okay, the thing. You. Like you, you don't you don't forget it. But three billboards, blah blah blah. Got it. Yeah. Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, it was up for Best Picture in what 2018, Roger. I want to say yeah, a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that weird? That was a few years ago. Uh, no. All right. Time works. <laughs> Fair enough. Approximately two years has passed. So. <laughs> all right. Before we hop into Mandal- Mandalorian, let's talk about some. So this week, this episode, of course, will post on Tuesday, and Christmas is Friday. So, hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, um, so, hey, I want to say something before you move on. So yeah. you mentioned about Apple TV Plus that needs good stuff. Um, and I mentioned to you before we started this. So over the past week, actually it was before last week, and I didn't mention it before, I watched the entire series uh, on Apple TV Plus called Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso, the story behind it is he's an American uh, college football coach who ends up coaching soccer in the uh, English Premier League. And legitimately, I think it's some of the best TV you'll ever watch. It's funny. It's dramatic. It's wonderful. I I 100% put my full backing behind it. Everybody should watch it. Even if you don't like sports, I think you'll love the show. So check that out. I cannot right. stress that enough. There we go. And so did you guys see what moved around to December 25th on Christmas Day? No. Pinocchio. Who cares? That's what that's what I'm saying is <laughs> I mean it's it's a theatrical release. So is mm. News of the World. They're both theatrical releases. Yeah, News of the World um, I knew about. So That's, that's a the week later that's going to be a busy week for us because that's that's also going to be so that's so that's at least news of the world in Pixar Soul and Wonder Woman. So we may forgive the um, that week we, we we may forgive the Netflix movie because we have three actually movies. You know, Wonder Woman and, and Pixar you can watch at home. News of the world though that that'll be theatrical. So 
that'll be yeah. a busy week for us, gentlemen. See how it but goes. three good movies. I mean, look, three like movies that want to win awards. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's a it, that's gonna be, be a nice week. change. Is that what you're saying? Yes, from from just you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine. Uh, I came home recently and I was talking to. He asked me what we're gonna do on the show next, and he's like, you know what? I love your guys' motto. He said, the the more the more the more you guys say your motto, the more it sticks with me. He said, I just hope it doesn't suck. Is like one of the greatest mottos ever. <laughs> I mean, it that, can impl- it, it can apply to so many different things. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not not just for movies. It's good. It really is good. Oh, it's yeah. dead on because like I mean because. It started with the whole talking about those, um, talking about the DC movies, where it got to the point where Roger and I are like, "Look, I don't want. To, I, don't, I know it's not going to be great. I just hope it doesn't suck." Yeah, it just can't be a time drain. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Yeah, like, it can't be twenty five so minutes on. into, and I'm checking my phone in the movie theater. Like, <laughs> this is not where we need to be. <laughs> Please, God, don't do this. All right, gentlemen, let's move into Mandalorian. Season 2, Chapter 16, the finale of the season. Boy, oh boy, we follow up a couple of good episodes with another great episode. So, um, this, I, I just want to make a full statement about this season of Mandalorian real quick. Um, as much as I enjoyed the first season of Mandalorian, I thought it was a great, laid a nice groundwork. This season is so much more Star Wars, and it makes me so happy. So very, very happy. Yeah, this is, but this is it's, because it's, it's really great. That's the thing is like, judging by these last three episodes, this season is what always Star Wars should have been. And, and I, I don't want to say it, but there's, 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 there's a character that makes an appearance in this movie, in this, in this episode, that that's how he should have been introduced years ago. And I know, Roger, you're going to disagree with me because you and I fight over this movie all the time. But man, that is how you reintroduce someone that's been gone a while. I mean, that's fine. And I'm not going to say what happens. Because, yeah, you can't talk about this episode too much just in case somebody hasn't seen it. But for the love of God, you need to watch this episode of Mandalorian, folks. I think it this, is a wonderful fan service episode. I think this episode shows how. Because like, we talked about it when we talked about the series early on. Was that some episodes didn't feel like Star Wars episodes, and we no. made the we made that comment that this feels like Star Wars about halfway through because it was we finally had some some episodes that got traction. This is like the opposite of the Game of Thrones effect, I think. This shows how how important it is to end a season the right Strong. way. You forget about all the crap that you went through to get here because it it just it ended so good. Yeah. Well, you know, it it it's. I almost wish. And Roger, I think you'll agree with me, Chris. You may be indifferent about this. I I almost wish, because of the of of the gravity of the Mandalorian, never moves his helmet. I mean, pretty much, even in death, you never move your helmet. That's just part of their part of their religion. I almost wish that the writers would have found a way to get around the pre the what two episodes ago where he had to remove his helmet for the scan, or or when he did remove the helmet for the scan, we didn't see it. It cut, and we saw a we got a shot from behind him just to like, ah, damn, we didn't see his face again, you know, because when it happens in this one, that should have been the moment that he was finally bowing down to this religion that he's heard about, but never really respected. But now he respects it. You know, you know what I'm saying? I I get what you're saying, but I I don't agree with it because the way it happened a couple episodes ago, I mean, I thought it, it fit that episode perfectly. I mean, it really, really did. Right. Like at the but time, even, I don't, I can't look back on it and be like, well, I wish they hadn't done that. 
because at that time I'm like, this is the best episode they've ever done. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna retract and be like, well, it's still the best episode because it's probably not. This one's probably better. But at the time, like you know, when he had his helmet off for an extended period of time for the second time in the show, it was great. Then it's perfectly fine. Well, no, my only gripe is we shouldn't have we shouldn't have seen his face. He should have no, still but, taken the helmet off, I, and then I know we should what have you mean him. there. But I just I don't I don't completely agree with that. I don't know. I, I have to deal with that enough with Master Chief. I don't need that somewhere else. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm glad to finally get like get something, uh, some sort of payoff in that regard. Oh, a, a, a little aside um, before we jump back into this though, with about moving helmets and casting. Um, so Oscar Isaac was cast as Snake. Yeah. Yes. 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 I don't. I'm worried about this because without the voice, you don't have a character. Snake is he is the 100. The voice makes the character. So I wonder how they're going to do that. But what do you, Roger? I know you don't have nearly as much Metal Gear experience as I do, or maybe Chris. But what do you think about that? Just, just real quick. I mean, I'm completely fine with Oscar Isaac taking any role he wants. And if he, I, and I'm not nearly, I'm not worried about his voice at all, because that's I, what computers are for. Yeah, I, I think, I think voice wise, I think it'll be fine as long as he can nail the mannerisms of the character and and the gravitas that that is Snake. Did I you think see we'll the be... badass beard he grew for Dune? That's true. That's that true. was so powerful. Listen, yeah. he's gonna be fine. Yeah, and, and like, and I don't know. It, it's one of those things where, like, uh, who, who? I think Tom Hardy was said to be Sam Fisher for a little bit there. You know what I mean? So it's like oh, for Splinter Cell. Yeah, yeah, for Splinter Cell, and everyone was like, "Well, he's too short because you know." Sam Fisher's you know, big as hell. Yeah, he's a huge dude, and it's like, eh, but it, it's as long as the as long as the guy can get the mannerisms down, that's all that really matters. And Oscar Isaac, Tom Hardy, they can carry themselves like badasses, and that's what you need in that role. You need to believe that this guy can just drop you and kill you in a moment, because that's that's the problem I had with um, oh, what was it? Uh, it was it was the the fourth Bourne movie. It didn't it didn't have um, didn't have the guy that ran. I'm blanking on his name right now. Didn't have him in it. It had Hawkeye in it instead. Oh, it, had, oh, it didn't yeah, have yeah. Matt Damon. It had um, yeah, Hawkeye. Yeah, Renner. Um, yeah. Renner. Yes, it had, yeah. It had Renner. And I'm sorry, I don't. I didn't buy that role from Renner. He's just he doesn't. He didn't carry the the mannerisms of just a, of the that kind of imposing will kill you in a second guy. Whereas I believed it. You know, it, it's just I think that's what's important from Oscar, Oscar Isaac. I think okay, well, you, you guys made me feel a little better about the casting decision. I was I was very frightful when I first heard it because it's. If you can't get the voice of Snake, you don't. It doesn't matter who you cast because it's not right anyway. But you guys made me feel a little bit. But that's a conversation. That's a whole conversation for another episode. But I wanted to make sure we mentioned that because that's a real. That's a really big deal. Well, uh, let, let, no. let me give one more little thing here. Uh, let's talk about Daniel Craig as Bond for a moment. He's like he's. I think he embodies Bond well as one of the better Bonds because of you can just believe that he would just kill you in a second, and he has the ability to. He's not the best looking smoothest talking bond that we've had we've had no, that before right he's definitely not suave yeah but no. but but you can still believe that that man can could be james bond because of he he will just kill your ass yeah you believe yeah. that he's a killer for sure exactly yeah, that's, that's what the craig bonds brought back like that's what the pierce brosnan bonds had almost let go completely is you know they were so obsessed with him being a pretty boy mm -hmm. but they they you know the craig bond brought back that that that, that killer instinct that he, if I mean, if he wanted you dead and he was looking at you, you're dead. Yeah. So you know I mean, mean like, his, you know, his voice, his voice could be spot on, but if, it, if I don't believe that that's you know, snake on the other end, you know, about to kill somebody, I'm not in. So I'm, sure, I'm okay fair. with this. I get that. All right, let's get. So this episode, 
I actually can't think of a better way to end this episode because I'll tell you, and I don't want to say what, I don't want to say who makes appearance or what happened, but there's a point in this episode where, you know, our, our happy go lucky, you know, troop of good guys are really in a predicament. I'm thinking to myself, how in the world are they possibly going to get out of this? You know, I mean, the Mandalorian struggles fighting one Iron Man, let, let alone, you know, a whole, platoon of them i i, I know they're not iron man but like damn it that's where the that, that's where those that's where they came that the design came from is iron you know the can we, can we talk about things. the dark soldiers for a second because yeah the, that's what i'm talking about like, the, the, they, the dark soldiers looked, i thought they looked great mm-hmm, like, I agree. when did that fight scene that he has like i was like damn as he's just punching him in the face won't even dent the helmet, but it's denting the wall behind his head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, oh damn! That was a good fight with the, he had his. Oh, we 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 finally get to see the uh, the Beskar spear in action. The Beskar versus uh, uh, versus the dark saber. That was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. That was a. I was gonna say that's a. It was a well choreographed fight. It, it wasn't super quick. But then again, neither. I mean, if you think back to some of the more important fights in Star, I mean, maybe thematically the most important fight in Star Wars is the one between Obi Wan and Darth Vader in A New Hope, and that one is very slow. But it's not. It's it's not about the quickness of the fight. It's about the the embodiment of the two characters that are finally meeting up after so many years and clashing. You know that it kind of reminded me of that how important that fight was that they those two had to have it out. So yeah, I mean, I'm really. I want to speak accolades about this. The way that the season two ended, I thought was just, it, I mean, hats off to you guys. And I, I didn't picture myself saying this a few weeks ago. I'm like, I'll never say this about a Star Wars property, but damn, they did, they've done a good job with Mandalorian season two. I thought so. I thought they did excellent. I'm very I, happy. I had a good time with it. Mm, did, um, did you, were you guys surprised when they, when they, when, when the, the person finally makes an appearance, were you guys surprised at all? I was oh, yeah. somewhat surprised, but I wasn't overly shocked because I, th- I figured it out early on. Like, once things started happening, I'm like, I know who that is. So that was kind of cool. But, you know, it was badass without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Like, it's just awesome, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm saying that because, like, it was, it's a cool fan service thing. And it, you know, it just, it's almost a redemption from from episode eight. It's almost like a they're saying to the fans, "We're sorry. Here's the right way. We did it wrong, but here's the right way. We're sorry." You know, it's almost to me, it's almost like an apology to the fans. But you know, I'm I couldn't be more excited for where this goes and the the the, the gravity of what of what happened when you know he's able to pass off the package to this person and then like the whole thing where he like he's on his knees, helmet off. Like it's awesome, man. It's just it's great. Super excited about it. Sorry, I, I know I'm just giving it props, but what do you guys? Do you have any guys more, more more to say about it? I'm good. I think it's great. Watch it. If you haven't seen it already. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely recommendable. Mm-mm. All right, so that's. I mean, that couldn't have ended any any better for me. So now let's move on to something that. Actually, I hang could... on. I want to talk about something real quick. Uh, All right. Not, All right. Not, uh, not that kind of movie related, but it still ties in with Disney and Marvel. So I meant to bring this up during news and I forgot about it. Um, talking about, so Vegas has released odds for casting for the Fantastic Four. Do you guys see that? 
no. I mean, the odd favorites for the big roles in Fantastic Four, you know, like Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman, Human Torch, Doctor Doom, that sort of stuff. Who are so, they? The odds-on favorites, without not even close, are John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. Oh, Reed Richards and Sue Storm. And Sue, that's actually pretty decent. Actually, that's I mean, fine. I like, like that. I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. Mm. And then uh, the reason it made me think about it is the odds-on favorite to play Doctor Doom right now is uh, Giancarlo Esposito, Moff Gideon slash Gustavo Fring. Oh man, oh, he's yeah, he's, he's right, like. It. That's, that's what made me think about it. I was like, damn, I just read something about that. He's and making then, a career out of being a really good villain. Like, that's his thing, isn't that, you know? There's a lot of money to be made being <laughs> a bad guy. And then uh, tied for the odds-on favorite um, for Human Torch is Zac Efron and Anthony Ramos. So that would be interesting. You know what? Of those two, I just just to be – just to see what, I, what he could do, I kind of want to see Zac Efron in that. Well, listen, I mean, he's in incredible shape. <laughs> well, he has all that. Have, have, you seen his, have you seen his Netflix documentary? The, the he's, one uh, where... he's, he's, like, eating food everywhere? Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's, let, he's let his physique go a little bit for them carbs. He cries. Uh, oh, yeah, carbs. but I mean, listen, I've seen Baywatch. He's got, like, <laughs> 950 abdominal muscles. I didn't know they were big. <laughs> <laughs> he's got all 12 abs. I didn't even know they were all of them. But, um, I, I don't I, I like Zac Efron. I think all the things I've seen him recently, he's funny. I think he can act. I'm, I'm, I'd be interested to see how, how what he can do. In, yeah, in, I mean, like an I mean, super villain role. He's got a great movie that that, that Charlie St. Cloud. Oh my god! I bring it up because Roger hates that movie. I don't hate. It. I just one of those movies I don't really mind. But um, I actually just watched Seventeen again, like this this past week, only because it was on. I think it's on Netflix streaming. I mean, we just watched him as Ted Bundy not too long ago. Mm. He was, he was good in that. Oh yeah, yeah. He's. I'm telling you, Zac Efron. It's. It's a shame that like the whole High School Musical thing grabbed him so early because it really stopped him from blossoming. You, know, you know, when he was super funny? young. But it's, we say that it stopped him from blossoming. All that it did was make them. He's actually really talented. Well, no, no. I just it, it stopped him from blossoming so much earlier. But now he's finally like, and he's also not a kid anymore. He's also like a full blown adult. And like now he's starting to understand like the the bigger and better roles that like I'm just. I'm, he's one of the careers I'm, I'm kind of really excited to keep tabs on. Well, the thing with that is, is with coming out of High School Musical especially, is one, you find out one, that he's incredibly good looking, in great shape, and can actually sing. Like, damn him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why is he got to be the complete package? Yeah, why, why is he <laughs> such a perfect man? <laughs> yeah, it's right, right. Terrible. Yeah. All right. Well, sorry, I distracted us with some shirtless. No, no, it's. it's, it's talk. <laughs> I mean, I got, I got. You should see my web browser right now. It would be a weird I, place. No doubt. Oh my <laughs> you guys are crazy. Oh my goodness. All right, let's talk about the big disappointment in this week for me: the Christmas Chronicles two. Oh my goodness. Let's just get this. I don't, don't want to brag here, but I'm very glad that you don't like this movie because it's terrible because I've been telling you for a month that this movie's yeah. going to be crap and it's absolute garbage. Well, it is, but so here's the thing. This movie came out, I think it came out too because on the what's trending on online or the top 10 on Netflix, this is like number 17 with like most watched thing, which is a shame because it should be this week. Well, you know, it, came out, a booth. I think it came out like what the week of Thanksgiving though, right? It came out November 25th. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. Directed by Chris Columbus. Now, the thing that kills me about Chris Columbus, um, and now let me get the rest of the particular. So, directed by Chris Columbus, 
Um, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, and Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, Darby Camp, uh, Julian Dennison, um, Jazir Bruno, Tyrese Gibson, which out of nowhere for me, it's like, why is Tyrese Gibson in this movie? So listen, uh, Kim, I, have, well, I, have a, I have a theory about that. We'll, we'll circle back. Um, Malcolm McDowell, whose voice identifies as Hacken, one of the elves. Um, yeah, and then the and then the Kimberly Williams Paisley as Claire. But one of the things about Chris Columbus, I said to myself, is I'm mad at him because he makes interesting movies. So let me just just give me one second to go over some of the movies that he's made. So he made the first two. He made the first two Harry Potter movies, which are great. Um, he made Home Alone, which is phenomenal. The first movie is really good. Um, he did Rent, which isn't which isn't great, but it's you know a lot of people love it. Um, he's done some good and interesting things, and then he's done this. And this is what makes me so mad because this is not – this is just – it's not – nothing about this movie says Chris Columbus to me. But maybe that's because I was expecting something better and we didn't get it. But uh, I'm sure there's there's the arguments otherwise. But just this movie didn't speak Chris Columbus to me, and I was expecting it to. That's why I was so excited about it because I knew he was a very competent director. I'm like, there's no way Chris Columbus will screw this up. And I don't think he – I just think he did screw it up. But that's just me. Yeah, so Roger, why, 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 why don't you tell us what's and, why don't you uh, tell us uh, what's going on in the Christmas Chronicles too? Um, well, for some reason, we now have somebody um, with the, so, get, so I was wrong in the when I'm watching the trailers. It is one of the same kids, and then a second kid has joined. The third child, I guess, has joined the party. Here we catch up with the uh, the family um, of children. You know, former car thief. <laughs> um, <laughs> That they're now on vacation, where in like Mexico, uh, Cancun, somewhere. Looks like they're having a hell of a, you know, Christmas in the tropics, which I think is a great idea. By the way, I would love to do that. Um, and someone now is upset that mom might be getting married. You know, she's finally moving on in her life, and so that that's how this all starts. Which I don't understand any of it. I was gonna say yeah. it's such a weird start, isn't it? But yeah. It's so fun. well, then the weird thing is, so we have Tyrese Gibson. What's his name? This movie. What's his, uh, Paul, it's not Paul, right? No. Uh, Bob. Bob. No, <laughs> Which Bob. he's, it's just not a Bob to me. He's not, you know, but anyway, go on. But so, like, he seems like a super nice guy, right? Like, he took this family to Cancun. He's been nothing but nice to the mom, you know, and for some reason she doesn't like him just because, you know, she's not, he's not her dad. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. So, <laughs> but yeah. She ends up, you know, basically kidnapped back to the North Pole, left freezing to death with uh, the um, what's the other kid's name? The other son. Uh, know. he Jack. But Jack. I mean, the, you're, you're but you're missing. This is um, Belschnickel. Is... Oh, oh no, yeah, I'm coming back to that. So yeah. okay, okay. It turns out that they're kidnapped by the the former rogue elf who turned into a human named Belschnickel. Belschnickel. Excuse me. What? <laughs> I, mean, I understand i'm supposed to suspend a lot of belief for these kind of movies but come on man we just we just randomly making up plot points like on the fly so i was like we need another bad guy for this movie make up an evil elf i don't well, well he was in the first one wasn't he wasn't no, of no okay maybe i'm wrong i was i like he because the way they introduce him I thought he would might have been in the first one, but maybe I'm just wrong. I just I, I wasn't really putting a whole lot of effort into this one, so. No, really, this movie yeah. that you've been championing for weeks. Well, I mean, look, Kurt Russell is one of my favorite actors of all time, and he usually doesn't take bad role or like roles that are just silly. And this is just 
he just he absolutely took this role and he said when they said when they came to him and said uh kurt we're, we're doing a sequel are you in he just extended his hand and said there better be a check in my hand and there better be as many as much as i want I can't, I can't imagine he lobbied for a second movie. I cannot imagine he was part of it. Are you kidding me? I think we're getting a third one of these movies. No, please tell I me we're not. We oh my goodness. What made you think that we're not? And I mean that seriously. Oh, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I think there's more of a chance we get a third one than, than there's a chance we don't. But I mean, just like Kissing Booth 2, the first one, the, 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 the second movies are so bad. It's almost laughable from like a technical filmmaking point. I mean, does, does does anything in this movie? I mean, I can understand like 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 you said, you have to suspend belief to or disbelief to get through some of this movies. You know, it's it's Christmas. Sure. It's you know they're going to North Pole in Santa's village, um, but like none of the logic here even makes like none of the logic in this world even makes any sense. No, I like, mean none of it. Real short version of this movie is Belschnickel's there to get some revenge on the claws. The clauses, the clauses, clauses. There he gets some revenge on the clauses for kicking him out, and at some point, you know, we end up time traveling. So, like, I don't, know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happens here. So, like, ugh. There's, 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 a, a, you know, there's another scene where, um, like in the first movie where they have the whole song and dance scene in the jail cell. They have it in an airport in 1995. Um, which for a second, or no, excuse me, not 1995, 1985, Yeah, I think it's well, because she meets her dad. No, it was 1989 because I actually made the comment. I go, what year did Die Hard 2 come out? And I was like, is this the airport from Die Hard? How amazing <laughs> would that be? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. If, uh, you know, all of a sudden Bruce Willis blow, you know, is blowing up a plane on the runway. I thought that would be wonderful, but that did not happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> this movie would have been so much cooler if I was directing it. Um. Because we would have had, definitely had a Bruce Willis moment, and you know Tyrese Gibson, you know, would be playing Roman Pierce on his alternate non-Fast and Furious life. This is what happens when he goes back home, when he's not doing a mission with you know Toretto and them. <laughs> back to his family. <laughs> is that wrong? I don't. And he, and he changes his name to Bob for for yeah, witness protection or something. Yeah. I mean, because listen, Rome, Roman Pierce, his name is totally fake anyway. So, <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, Chris, you, you haven't said much about this. Give, give me, give me your quick thoughts before we move into like characters and plot and what we just really kind of expected from it. I mean, this. I don't know. So I was sad because Goldie Hawn with Kurt Russell is like one of my favorite pairings in movies of all time. I have so much fond memories of Overboard as a kid. This is like a movie that it, we played every every couple months. That movie would run in our house. I like that movie, right? And I like them together. And it's like. Like they try so hard to power through this thing, and it's just, it's a mess. Like, like, like Roger said, we got time travel. Like, <laughs> like, like, somehow we get to time travel, and you're not even surprised. You're just, you're just, you're just that's, that's sad. Yeah, you're just sad that they went there. You're not surprised that it happened. It's like, oh, all right, this is where we're going. Got it. It's just, it's, it's tough, and 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 it. I'm gonna say this: It does the Netflix thing. It's a super long movie, <laughs> and it feels every bit of its runtime. It was. It's an hour and fifty-two minutes. God, I was gonna say it's close to two. I know that, and it's just it, we, you don't need it for this. 
you could cut out the whole time travel scene to wrap up the end without it, to be honest. Well, I mean, the the time travel scene did give you, I guess, what was sorely needed as maybe only, some some only, emotion. Only because it's written that way. They could they, they could have done a better job with this. <laughs> yeah, but it, okay, so and correct me if I'm wrong, and usually when we watch a sequel or even like a, a, a the third one in the franchise, I will watch the first one or first two just to catch up, but I did not want to watch the first one again. But she she was the one that was all about this in the first one. It was the brother that was kind of the cynical, I don't believe this is really Santa Claus. But like she was the one that was all about like, no, this is really Santa Claus, right? You I've remember? never seen the first one. You're the, you're the only one that championed the first one. But Roger, watched it. Roger, I'm asking you, do you remember? No, wait, what was the question? The She was the, of the two, so the brother she and the was, sister. Believer, yes. Yeah, yeah. So in this one, she's, it's, I mean. She's way- well, she's not. She's, she doesn't not believe in Santa Claus. She doesn't believe in like she's just unhappy. She's just I a think. cynical teen. Like she's just a, a basic teenager. I mean, but again, the but in this in this movie, the stakes are if they don't succeed, Christmas will be canceled forever. Mm-hmm. And in the first one, if they didn't succeed, Christmas was going to be canceled forever. I wonder if they do a third one, will it be again? They have to save Christmas again. Like, I mean, how far do we take this formula if you're Netflix? Now, okay, let's just, let me just present to you the greatest scenario for Netflix for this movie is it does, you know, this week it, hundreds of millions of more views and people are loving it and they greenlight a third one. Do you, do, do you tell the same story a third time? Yes. If, if it ain't broke. Yeah. If it ain't broke. I just, man. Man, look. Okay, guys, I hate to tell you, but in the next year or two, we're going to watch The Christmas Chronicles Part 3 and Kissing Booth Part 3. I just want you to well, be Kissing aware of Booth, that. Kissing Booth, coming 100%. But yeah. in 2022, when we get our third Christmas Chronicles movie, like we will, you know, we'll look back at this going, I can't believe we're watching a third Christmas Chronicles. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it. I'm... Yeah. <laughs> but there... Okay, so I did enjoy some things, and I'll tell you what I did enjoy, and I thought was kind of ahead of the writing in a way is or ahead of the rest of the movie was when people kept referring to the village as Mrs. Claus's village yes. and not and not Santa's village and they kept and he just like yeah okay whatever like Santa's like annoyed by I thought that was an interesting motif to keep coming back to because it was funny that was the only thing I laughed at in this movie the only thing I laughed at was the motif of people kept saying Mrs. Claus's village and she's like, yeah. And he's like, no, but it's my village. <laughs> yeah. I had more fun, you know, contra- uh, coming up with ideas about Roman Pierce and John McClane than I did watching this <laughs> film in any capacity. So what did you guys think of the CGI in this movie? Awful. Oh, right. I don't think it was atrocious. I, I just don't think it was, I, I don't think it's, it, it's, it's, it's 2020 CGI. I mean, I think Netflix probably could have dumped some more money into it to make it look better, but at some point you're like, no, 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 no. Why are we dumping another $50 million okay, into this? So the problem is with that, um, very similar to the first movie, like they didn't uh, they didn't change any CGI from one movie to the other, which I guess if it's one thing, it's consistent. Ooh. Um, it's consistently bad. <laughs> uh, but now they added this, this cat. This oh, the cat. Oh God! Listen, I paused the movie at, at at a point with the cat, right? I paused the movie, and you ever see those really bad memes that's got like you know like like someone's like an actual like person's photo, and then like some like like almost like cartoon sticker like 
like photo over top like someone's the, face. Like the nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That I paused my my movie right on the cat, and it looked just like that. But that was a paid for CGI ren- rendering of that cat. Oh my god, such bad CGI in this movie. I could, it, I, I, it wasn't. Ah. And you, you know what was also bad CGI is that when Santa's chasing the what is it called oh. the Yule the the Yule <laughs> the Yule cat through the yeah. I was that was that did not do this movie any favors. No, um, that Nothing was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> but then, um, then he just happens to hear the kids that are just are freezing to death. So listen, you know. he just dumped them into this portal into the frigid snow. Like, mm-hmm. couldn't he yeah, have but... done that himself? Just gone there and just waited till Santa left? Did you guys notice? Like, he's just like, I just, I want to rack up some bodies here. <laughs> 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 yeah, Belschnickel. And then, well, the ending of this movie, and we, well, I only came here because Belschnickel is like the most campy 90s ending. If there oh, ever was one, no, this let was me, it. Let me tell you something about Belschnickel for just a second. <laughs> okay. The only thing I can think of with this terrible character was this is what the male version of Rebel Wilson is like. From yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Like without the profanity, <laughs> like that's it. Like that's all that that is. I was just like, oh my god, this is if Rebel Wilson was a younger man. This is exactly how he would. <laughs> I was like, ugh. Oh, you're not wrong I about that. I, I mean. Schnickel. I don't want to talk about this. Um, I just, it's interesting to me because, I mean, where, as far as movies go, like, I mean, 10 years ago, I mean, it was only theater releases and Netflix was still up and coming, but we didn't, like, Amazon was still new, you know, now there's just streaming services everywhere and everyone's got to have good content, but do you think, now let me ask you guys this, and, and, you're, and you're, I think your opinions may differ a little bit from mine, do you think this was a premiere film for net or, or maybe not premiere, but do you think this was a tier one movie for Netflix? No, you don't but think here's so? the thing: it's been popular for weeks, so I don't know. It's just because that time of year, though. You know what I mean? It's like that, that it, matters, though. Uh, it does. You're right. You know, I uh, maybe this movie gets some gets some extra hits and a little extra credit on Netflix's side because of it. But you know what? It just means that they're gonna, you know, make a Christmas Chronicles three in two years and put it in the Christmas slot. You know what I mean? That's all it is. Nothing else is gonna come from this. You're still gonna have bad CGI. You're gonna have a bad, you know, bad storytelling. You're gonna have a shit ending, and we're gonna get Christmas Chronicles three. Fair. You could have a blind man throw a dartboard at a at you know at a storyboard and get a random story, and it would make more sense than this. So it's fine. Well, it it's just something that Netflix will put up at Christmas time. <clears throat> Yeah, but I wonder. I wonder if they're gonna like how if you guys could come up with a number in your head, quantify this as dollar amount for for Netflix. What do you think this brought in as far as box office? At least four dollars. <laughs> We've never been able to quantify that number. And the, the good movies, the bad movies, the movies we don't understand, we can't quantify that. We have this discussion every now and then. This movie isn't bringing people to Netflix. That's not what this is. This is this is. Netflix wanting to make sure they fill like the Chris the Christmas movie block so that when parents go to put something on TV before Christmas while family's over whatever they can throw on a Christmas movie that way that way that the Netflix viewer doesn't go someplace else to do exactly that so they don't think about Amazon or don't think about Hulu or they go 
onto Netflix and want to look for a Christmas movie, go, what? There's no Christmas movies I can put on for my kids. Well, who has a Christmas movie? They're not so much trying to get viewers or keep viewers. They're trying to stop people from going to other viewers. Well, that that's always been my case about every one of these streaming services are not necessarily trying to get viewers, but make sure that they don't go to a, 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 a competing site for streaming. I honestly believe that the goal of these streaming sites at this point is that they they don't want when it comes time for that for that that family to cut back on bills and they look and they see they have eighty dollars in streaming services they don't want to be the one cut for X reason that's sure. what it is it's not about being the being the greatest it's about having enough to where you're not cut longevity yep that's all it is and this ticks that box yeah I mean it's it's a good box to tick off too. <clears throat> But uh, but to quantify its value, it's not pulling anybody in. No one's getting Netflix as a Christmas Chronicles one and two. You know, I wouldn't think so. I mean, I w- I wouldn't think so. I mean, you're you're not saying anything that doesn't that we've not talked about in length already. But I mean, well, you're not you're not wrong. Is what you're, is what you're saying is okay. So well, where does this movie fit then? Just well, just to make make sure no one else goes somewhere else, or just to make sure that viewers don't go elsewhere when they have people over to watch something. Basically, it's like I said, the goal is so that people don't think of don't think of them to cut because there was no Christmas movie. I think I think a comparable in here, like what what might bring you viewers is your Adam Sandler contract. You know what I mean? That's something that you know, might score you some viewers. And well, give you some new subs when I they mean, hear about something like that, comparatively. These movies are just as bad as those movies. So. <laughs> well, I think that's why it's a good comparison, though, right? Because yeah. you, you take bad movie X, Y, and Z, and bad movie A, B, and C. A, B, and C has a has a has an actual contracted name to it, and that person has a fan base. I don't know. Some of the worst of Adam Sandler, I don't think, are as good as this. And then, and I say that because <laughs> at, at least this has Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. You know, those True. those bad Adam Sandler movies. They're yeah. definitely. Um, some Adam Sandler movies that are as bad as this. That's what I'm talking. Yeah, I agree and, with that. And they don't have Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. True. So I they, mean, yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> or Bob. Yeah. So I mean, it's just ah, man. I don't. I mean, how much more do you want to say about this? I, I guess is my no, question just, to you guys. Let's get to the end and let's rank it. Yeah. Okay. So if we're rating, if we're if we're giving Christmas Chronicles to a number. Man, have I thought about this for days now? Like I've, I've That's quite possibly thing. lost sleep over this. But I'm, I'm also trying to be fair with what I think the movie is and what it deserves. Um, I'm gonna give it a three. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it's funny that, like, I, you know, below a five, you really shouldn't think too hard about it. But I really was. I was trying to be fair to Chris Columbus. I was trying to be fair to Kurt Russell. Um, but a three is where it lands, only because. I was so disengaged when this, like, I was, I was just, I wasn't entertained. And, and, and going into this, I was the one of the three of us who was looking forward to it. So you know I'll, I mean? I'll, I'll, I'll chime in next and think it's hilarious that you took days to come up with a three. All I took was, you know, 45% of the movie to decide it was a three. And then the other 55% never changed it. So um, this movie's bad. Um, I won't recommend it for anybody. Um, I can't in good faith be like, you need to watch this. It's just not good. Um, even if you watched the first Christmas Chronicles movie and loved it, I wouldn't be like, you should watch this too. You shouldn't. So <laughs> that's just me. Yeah. So I'm giving this movie of two, a two and a half is what it is. I just can't, I can't, I can't even hit three. I can't even hit three on this, but I will say that the, the ending of this movie is, is, is the strongest part. Because it's finally over. 
No, I mean, we're going to get a third one. <laughs> I mean, Chris is definitely right. I mean, there were some, I guess, the whole thing with her and her father, I guess. Okay, I'll Okay, I'll bite. I will give it. That's why it wasn't a two for me is the whole try to be emotional thing. Um, and you can tell that, I mean, for an example of what I mean by when, I mean, Tyrese Gibson phoned every second he was on screen, it was phoned in. <laughs> it was not, he didn't care about this movie. I'm sure he got a decent paycheck out of it. I'm sure he's going to get pretty good residuals out of it. I thought the, the Netflix model works a little differently than like the, the theatrically released SAG model. But um, he was he didn't care about this. And you could, I mean, did you, by his performance, I thought he, not one second that I that I really think he wanted to be on screen when he was on screen. You, you think he, when this is halfway done that Tyrese called his agent and fired him? No, I no, I, no, I, I don't think that at all. With that Netflix contract, uh, yeah. maybe maybe. It's like right. this is all I gotta do to make a million bucks. Easy. I think he <laughs> I, I think he walked on set and was confused because he thought he was gonna be in an Adam, an Adam Sandler movie. He's a closet Adam Sandler fan. And 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 got to be on a beach for a couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, right. for free, yeah, right. all paid expenses. For, you know, um, yeah. So that's I think. This movie absolutely, in no universe, gets anything above a four. Like I don't care. I don't care. I don't, who you I'm, are? I don't care who you are. I, I'm. I will not allow it. I will not okay. allow it. Well, just so you know, it's got a seventy-one on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> who cares? I mean, fine. Well, yeah. Whatever. I mean, I just look. This is a personally. This movie hurt me because <laughs> I was looking forward to it, and even like this, when even when they did this, the Roger brought it up. The this like the this, the rock portion again somehow was worse than the jailhouse rocks port portion in the first movie you know i just i, I can't oh my goodness you know we roger we watched um daddy's home too do you remember that one oh yeah also awful where they do the whole song thing in the end in the in the movie theater like i actually I actually watch that sometimes when I'm going to sleep because it entertains me. Like, I watch that specific scene and, like, you know, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg are ridiculous. Mel Gibson's ridiculous in it. You know, like, but, like, that is, you know, they're, everyone's singing a song. Everyone's chiming. Like, that is at least entertaining. But the, the rock portion, the song in this was, did you, were you guys entertained by that at all? Or did you think no. that you wanted to just fast forward to the end of the song? Fast forward? Wait, I wanted to die. To fast forward to these movies? <laughs> Oh. All right, we're not we're not doing it. I, you know the golden rule. If you don't have anything nice to say, you probably can not say anything at all. So we need to move on. But <laughs> very disappointed in Netflix and the Christmas Chronicles too. I have to say, I'm very disappointed. Yeah, yeah, this one was tough. Let's move on to the very surprising movie of the week, Fat Man. Um, for some particulars, came it came out uh, officially November 24th, uh, directed by Isham Neems and Ian Neems. Um, and then Mel Gibson, Walton Goggins are the two are the two leads. Um, I gotta say about this movie is Roger. This is my Hustlers, where I really didn't. I well, we watched the trailer. And we we kind of laughed and made fun of it, and like we knew kind of what was gonna happen. But I was like, I don't expect much from it, I guess. But this movie is actually pretty decent. And when I say pretty decent, like it's I owe it an apology because. I really thought it was going to be a two or a, or, a, or a three, but this is not a two or a three. Um, no, I don't believe it's a two or a three. I think it's, I think it's significantly higher than that. Well, I yeah, I mean significantly, significantly but, higher. But um, this movie did surprise me quite a bit. Um, it was a lot better off than what I thought it was going to be, so that was kind of uh, kind of nice. 
So yeah, there's that. What what do you what do you think, Chris? I don't know. Like so, what, what was the question again? I I got, I got lost listening to Roger. I'm sorry. Uh, the question was what 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 did you get versus what you were expecting? Okay, so what I got was a the movie wasn't as weird as I thought it was gonna be. It was it was just I had a hard time getting into 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 the universe and into the world and buying everything. But I I I watched this before Christmas Chronicles, so I'm thinking if I would have done the reverse, I'd have been way more excited to watch this movie. <laughs> That's but fair. That's I, fair. I, I came into it. I just I couldn't get myself immersed in what was happening, and that was like I was expecting just a really turn your brain off, like weird Santa Claus shoot 'em up, and that's not exactly what this was. So it just I don't know. It was weird for me. I I didn't enjoy this movie as much as you two did, and we'll and we'll get into um, that. I just something, had a little you, on it. something you just said that I kind of I want to I want to kind of expand on a little bit is you said you couldn't get into how weird it is, or you thought it was really. I actually kind of really enjoyed the weirdness. Um, and see, it could have gone one of two ways, uh, is see what happens in a movie like this is you either kind of flail, not commit and your movie doesn't work, or you just 100, 100% from the get go commit and never explain anything or, or just assume that everyone after a few minutes, holy crap, he is Santa Claus. That is, that is Mrs. Claus. That is his workshop. Like there's no ends. There's, there's no. There's no, you remember that movie K-Pax with Kevin Spacey was right yeah, up yeah. until the last moment. You had no idea if he was going to leave the planet. If he wasn't like, what's going on? There's your magic. Like there's none yeah. of that here. There's, it's like 100% he is Chris Kringle, like right off the bat. And it's, I appreciated that. You know, you're talking about weirdness. That is certainly weird. But I think the, the decision from the writing and directing point of view to just commit, I think it paid off for the movie. Um, well, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, this whole world is based around that Santa Claus Israel does exist. And, you know, most toys come from his workshop, um, especially the ones that are delivered on on and around Christmas time. Uh, <laughs> so and at certain points, you know, Santa Claus will just stop delivering you things or give you coal. So I think that's pretty interesting how that's just part of the world and that how that they have a contract with the U.S. military. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did in, like that. Yeah, in Alaska, I thought that was kind of neat. No, so, in Canada, isn't it? No, it's in Alaska. He drives through Canada to get to Alaska. Oh, okay. Oh, he yeah, because he he does say over two international state borders. Okay, great. So, what you just said, Roger, was kind of a, uh, and it doesn't, and it's like the U.S. military is like totally on board with like it's almost like they've known for decades that this is oh, what's no, happening. Well, I mean, listen, Santa Claus has been doing this. So you don't really know the time frame that they've been doing it, but it's a long time, mm-hmm. like hundreds of years at least, because do you remember the conversation he's having with the elves? The elves don't have names. They're just assigned numbers. Um, with the conversation yeah. he's having with Seven, he's like, do we ever have a perfect run? And he's like, well, 1910 was pretty darn close. <laughs> and yeah. and he's just like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like They just sort of like <laughs> laugh it off like, oh, yeah. So. Well, I mean, see, here's what here's there's a whole different mixed bag going into this is like, I mean, now just give me two minutes, if you will, gentlemen. Um, Mel Gibson is at one point in the late 80s, early 90s, there was no bigger star in Hollywood. Like he was the Tom Cruise. He was the Brad Pitt of those times. Like, I mean, and and whatever happened in the mid 2000s where he just went off the deep end. I mean, that's a whole something I don't like to discuss because like it, it hurts my soul. But 
Mel Gibson is one of the best actors I think that, that has ever been in Hollywood. And I just, I may be a little biased because I love Braveheart, but man, he's got some wonderful mannerisms and some way he, when I'm watching him on screen, it's just none of that stuff can be taught. It's all instinctive. And that's what I love about him. But so, I mean, but there was so much, like when he's giving the speech over the bar to the elves about, oh, you know, we have to do this to ensure that we survive for another hundred years. That's, you know, I mean, I mean, I can hear we were soldiers. I mean, there's a point where I can hear Braveheart. I've heard, I can hear we were soldiers. I can hear lethal weapon and some of these conversations he's having with people. And I really appreciated that. Can I stop you for a second? Yeah, of course. Do you think that they wrote that scene only after, only because they had Mel Gibson? I think they had Mel Gibson from from the get go. I think Mel Gibson was attached to the making of this movie. I think this okay. is his. I don't think you get Mel Gibson for this. He would have had to have chosen it. Okay. Well. Okay. Well. Still, I think my question still stands. Do you think they wrote that scene because they have Mel? They have Mel Gibson. Possibly I think there may think have, about it. I think sure. there may have been just like the whole Liam Neeson scene from Taken, where when he's on the phone with that guy after his daughter is taken, they wrote it to mimic his career up to that point. You okay. know, where he he talks about how he's acquired a great many skills over over many years that he's going to use to find you and kill you. Well, the right he had been the second fiddle. You know, William Neeson had always been the second fiddle. And even in the years leading up to Taken, you know, he was Aslan. He was Ra's al Ghul. Well, he, he was the, the mentor in Batman Begins. He was always the guy, never the main character, but kind of one of the secondary characters. And that's what they wrote the, the speech with in Taken is now he's a leading man. And now he's going to kill you because he's a leading man. I mean, it's it's loosely based, but like, but I think you're right about that. I think you're when when everyone when all the ink was signed, people were attached. I think they probably re rewrote a little bit of the script to bring out Mel's strong points when he's talking. And I think it it, it admirably paid off because well, that's one of the things Mel does so good is is talk. It's like delivering lines is what he does. You know, it's just one of those things that just every time he does it, it's amazing. Even in that awful movie what was the third expendables <laughs> when like when he's in the back of the truck with um you know the four or five you know uh, kellen lutz from twilight he's in he's one of the expendables but him he's back there in a still stallone's character and he's talking to them and he's like and he just like even in that truck he that's that's mel's i mean that movie was a mel movie it was not a sylvester sloan movie it was not an expendable movie it was a mel gibson movie so, I mean, he just, but even when he's on the screen, he takes complete control over every scene he's, 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 he's in. And I just, you can argue with me until you're blue in the face, but even in this movie, can't you guys see what I'm talking about a little bit? I mean, I just want to talk about how impressive his beard is. <laughs> it, is it is a very good beard. I'll give him that. So right in the beginning, I just, there's some things I want to talk about with um, how this movie starts is, you know, it kind of falls into what Chris said about the weirdness and everything and you know, it just it starts with it, it starts with kind of kind of kind of quick. And one of the first things I, I I noticed was when you know he's kind of a Santa Claus, but he's kind of well, he's a man that's kind of fallen from grace. And you know, nothing is good when he's out there shooting targets and um, his uh, Mrs. Well, you don't know if she's Mrs. Claus at the time, but his wife comes out and like, what are you doing? What's going on? Um, she's Marianne, fantastic, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Marianne yeah, Jean, Jean Baptiste plays Ruth. And she's like, you know, they don't, they, they, they have a conversation in the way that movie characters have conversations and they reveal nothing to us, oh, only, only what we need to decipher that, okay, they're down on their luck and they need something to pull them out of it. That's what we got away from that conversation. 
And then, so it's just, it's an interesting way to do it. And then when they're in the bar, you know, when he's, when he goes in to see that bartender and get a drink and he tells that guy who's absolutely going to try to take that woman home and cheat on his wife, you know, <laughs> he's Santa Claus. He knows who you are. He knows if you've been naughty or nice. Like, he calls people by their first and last name. <laughs> yep. and, and like when he's talking to the military guys and was like, oh yeah, they told us you do that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, that's what I'm talking about, about the script just fully committing from the get-go. Like there's no wavering about it. It is what it is. And there's, I appreciate that. That's one of the things I think really saved this movie from being awful was a complete committance. Um, what else do you want? Let's, let's talk about the character. Let's talk about Mel as Chris and and Goggins as Skinny Man as he's as as he's labeled. But in order to talk about Skinny Man, you also have to talk about a Billy Weenan played by played by Chance Hurstfield was Roger and I identified I identified him immediately as Atticus from Good Boys. Yeah. Yeah. So this kid is like he's super smart, but he's also you know the whole thing with the with the person who won the science fair that was kind of weird. I thought that yeah. may have gone that may have taken the script a little bit too far, but um, threatening the the thirteen year old girl who won he yeah threatening to kill her and her dog as she, you know her I thought family, that her parents and her dog. <laughs> I like how he's like, yeah, he's like, I'm going to kill your parents. I'm going to kill your brother. And he's like, do you have a dog? He's like, yeah. What's his name? What's his name? Jellybean or something? Jellybean. And then he's like, and then I'm going to kill Jellybean. Jellybean. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. And I thought that was a good way to go around that. But I mean, Goggins character is just oh, like the rest of this movie. It's so far. It's just off the rocker. It's just crazy. I mean, he runs like a, you know, like what I assume that real professional assassins run like, right? He's got like a normal house. He's got a normal job, like his weird little hobby of buying things from Santa Claus that are made in Santa Claus's workshop. He calls him buying people's un, uh, priceless memories. <laughs> He's like, "How much for it?" He's like, "I was looking to get two thousand for this bat." He's like, "I'll give you nine hundred bucks." <laughs> and he's like, well, I was looking for 2000 like, I'll give you 900 bucks or you get the F out of my <laughs> then, sh- then you see him 30 seconds later wrapping it up in plastic and putting it on a shelf. So, I mean, that's, and that, that was kind of funny and weird. It, it was hilarious. But the whole thing with uh, why that this – the whole thing I didn't get until later is, like, how is this kid possibly calling the shots? Like, what is – what's the – and then you learn, you know, in the last, you know, four minutes – what the actual, you know, what the, how he's doing it, but with him and his grandmother and he's stealing um, money, a lot of money. She's just, just forging checks. Like, I mean, you see him forge an actual check, but you don't really know the whole thing like behind 90, it. Later, but... <laughs> oh man, it's just one of those things. And um, so there's a moment when, you know, they're talking about how they're going to survive on the farm, and um. He's talking to Ruth, his wife, and he's he's going outside, and she says something to him, and he says, he says I'm not, he says I'm not broken. I all I've, all I have is a loathing for a world that's forgotten, and it's just it's such a that's one of the best lines of the movie, and I I thought Roger you'd be attached to that because he said all I have is loathing for a yeah, world that's I mean, forgotten. <laughs> What a good line that is, too. It's just, oh, man. I mean, it, there, there are not many people that can deliver that line like he did. I mean, there's maybe a dozen people in Hollywood that can do that. Um, yeah, but that's just... I'm very curious, Chris, that you are 
kind of on the other side of this that, that, we, that we are. I don't know. It's just it's one of those things where like I just like I said, I didn't connect to it like I like like I thought I would. It did look fun from the trailer. I just I didn't have as much fun with it as I thought I would. I don't know, maybe it just didn't hit. It wasn't the right day for me to watch watch the movie or something. But I just had a hard time connecting with like I said the world and buying the whole thing and suspended my disbelief. You know, like like you said, like that kid calling the shots was so like it's like how like you're just. I don't know. Pose questions that I think kind of like pulls you away from just you know trying to have fun with the movie almost. And I could and and, and skinny man skinny man able to kill like like thirty professional marines or air I force mean, whatever they were. I mean, know, come on. That, that part I actually believe because he's taking them a hundred percent, you know, off guard. Like they're mm-hmm. not ready for this, and he's just slinging, you know, the the whole ideal in lead is bang bang bang, not even mm-hmm. blinking, just mowing them down. So, but I do think during this whole gunfight when they radio for Santa Claus and he just unloads the guns from underneath the ba- underneath the bed he's got a he's got a Walther PPK the James Bond gun and he's got an old revolver an old style revolver he yeah loads him up and he's like I'm going to go take care of this <laughs> and, and the speech he's like you think you're the first <laughs> he's like, like he, he, he yells across the he's like I'm done with his shit <laughs> I'm going to kill like, you to kill all these other people it's fine it's fine i love when he comes when he comes out of the house he's like hey from across the field and he's just like who are you like you do you think you're the first no, doesn't he, he's like stop it that's what he says to him yeah stop this okay. and, and then and then he calls him by his name which is like one of the most it's like john miller is like the most generic name ever something miller i forget what his name is but and then he says you know, I remember what I brought you, and then he's like, "I've come to take your head, fat man." It's just like, what in the hell? Where did we step it's into? This, like, weird thing. He's like, "I couldn't bring your fair. I couldn't bring your parents back." <laughs> and like, it gets like emotional for a second, and then they just start shooting at each other. Yep. Oh man, I appreciated that. I also appreciated the elves banding up and like the when he's throwing the bombs. And like the elf strips that bomb down in like three seconds, <laughs> takes everything out, and just throws it off to the sides. Oh, that was kind of funny. It well because it's it, it is if nothing else an adult toy yes. that of course an, an elf wouldn't know how to dis, you know disassemble real quick. You know what the sad part about this movie is? It's not. It, it's I mean released theatrically, it might have had a decent run and people would have talked about it, but released this way, no one's gonna. No one's gonna watch. I, I, it's not gonna get the attention it, it deserves. I think more people should watch it. I think it's fine. I think this I is think a it's fine. More than fine. I, th- I think it's great. I mean, I, don't, I mean, I'm not gonna give it like a nine or anything, but I just think it's a welcome change of pace for for like what we consider like the traditional Hollywood movie is like this is just it, it embraces the weirdness and goes with it, and I kind of dig it. You know, not enough scripts, not enough screenwriters have the balls to do that. So I have an interesting number for you guys on this movie. Have you um have you have you guys looked at Rotten Tomatoes on it yet? Just no. to get an idea. So there are 99 critic reviews for this, and there are only 30 audience reviews. Really? That's my point. Is no, no one no one's watching this. What's its well, yeah, yeah. What's its overall number? Well, critic scores 46. Audience is 83. Mm. I'm telling people are enjoying it, man. So everyday everyday users are higher, but it's a smaller sample size and. I think it's because it's. I think it's just it, the fact it's behind the paywall. You know what I mean. So a critic is gonna, you know, get take the jump on the opportunity to review something that has Mel Gibson in it. You know, something that's kind of a little bit off the wall. 
you know, so what they can say about it. If it's something spectacular, you know, they watched it, you know, with Mel Gibson, they can talk about it. But audience score, you know, some people, a lot of people aren't going to pay the money to see this when there's so many other things you can watch just because Mel Gibson's in there. So it's just, it's an interesting split where we, you have almost, you have almost a hundred critics that have have reviewed this and only 30 audience, but the audience score is so much higher. Yeah. It's, it's like just, the everyday person's enjoying it. Someone that isn't well, picking at a movie you know, is just kind of able to turn their brain off and have a good time with this movie, it seems like. Well, here's the thing about when this comes down to is Roger and I make a good dichotomy when it comes to, you know, audience score versus, um, versus, uh, excuse me, critic score. Because, I mean, I've, I get notes from my friends that listen to this every week and I, I kind of, we kind of go over them. And, and if one of those is me, then I'm going to be the audience score and Roger's the, and Roger's going to be the, the critic score, but like I tend to find things and like love them in certain movies. Like, you know, for example, we talk about, and it doesn't happen long, but you know, the, the Snow White and the Huntsman, those two movies, I think they're, I think they're so much better than Roger. (laughs) A lot of people answer Roger, but a lot of people give them the credit. But I mean, when you have to have that conversation about, no, 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 no. But did you see, like when you have to have that conversation where you're, when you're defending the movie, when they've already, it's done. The the, the conversation is already lost. When you have to defend, when you have to defend a single scene in a movie to justify it for anything, you've failed. You've always. Yeah. But I mean, but just to, to, to be honest, this, this movie isn't too far from that. Now I can tell, I don't know why they made the decision to put this behind a paywall and not just, you know, Amazon or Netflix for for whatever debated on price, I, I, there would have been a lot more people would have seen it. Like this but, I mean, movie screams Amazon release for me. That's kind of what I thought too. Of the of the two of them, Amazon and yes. Netflix, this is Absolutely. more of an Amazon release than Netflix. Yeah, I agree. But well, you guys listen. If it was Netflix, it would have had to be another forty five minutes ah, in length. True, true. <laughs> oh. Talking about That's the good. backstory of Seven the Elf. <laughs> yeah. That's a real problem. That's a serious problem with Netflix movies. Like they don't know how to make a ninety minute movie. They just don't know how to do it. Like, damn. Come on, man. I know you're in the studio and all, but come on. Stuff can be ninety minutes. It's fine. What if seven was Belschnickel? Oh Christ. <laughs> There's nothing else you guys liked or disliked about this movie. I'm I curious. I have a couple of things. I enjoyed most of this movie. I thought it was smart, well written. Um, I would honestly, I would like a second Fat Man movie. I know we'll never get more to that story, but I'd love to see some of it. Um, but you know, it's it's an interesting movie that not a lot of people are going to watch. But you know, I'll I'll make the statement that if you get a hold of it for free or whatever, you don't want to pay for it. I understand that completely. If you get a chance to check this movie out, I think you should make your own decision about it. It's a weird Christmas movie. How would you yeah. feel about because we know, we know you know you won't get Fat Man too, but how would you feel about other like holiday mythical you know beings in the same universe getting movies about them instead? Like Frosty the Snowman's like a Terminator? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, so more like, you know, more like Easter Bunny stuff or like, you know, that's a bad example. But like, you know, just like, you know, holiday I've already seen the Tooth Fairy movie with this. The Rock. I don't need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to dive farther into it. Okay. Well, I could argue that you just watched, you know, the Santa Claus movie with, you know, with Kurt Russell. And, a, you know, but you enjoyed this, this Santa Claus movie way more. So. Oh, yeah. I assure you I did not enjoy the Santa Claus movie <laughs> with Kurt Russell if you didn't get that from the three that I gave that movie. So, well, I mean, I mean you here's get more the thing out about of that. Maybe a different one. 
you I mean, you have two very different approaches to to the holiday. I mean, you have two very I mean, but the different approaches started in the writing process. The, a lot of these decisions weren't directing things, they were they were script decisions. Well, you know so, what's weird I mean, is the movie about Santa Claus having to defend himself from um a would-be assassin is the movie that is more like that I take less seriously than Christmas Chronicles. Is that is that a weird thing to think about? A movie that doesn't uh, doesn't overcomplicate itself has Santa Claus being tracked down by a guy across, you know, multiple countries, and I'm more okay with it than the crappy CGI that I saw from Belschnickel, <laughs> you know. Uh-huh. Like, I think that's a weird dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. It certainly know. is a weird one, but I mean, it's not. It is a weird dichotomy, and it's not completely, you know, unwarranted either. But it's it's an interesting one. But this is definitely the movie that we of the of the movies we watched. I mean, you know, excluding Mandalorian, it's not. I'm not in that category. But you know, I mean, the Netflix movie was not the more popular movie. I mean, the the better movie, and it usually is when we talk about theatrical versus Netflix, because theatrical movies are just not great usually. But I was just yeah. surprised. I was I was very surprised, and I was very happy. So yeah, I'm good. I mean, with you, I'm, you, want me to, you want to go ahead and rate it, Grace? Um, before I but before I do that, I want to one second. Did you catch all like the the culture references? Like when he talked about Elon Musk, mm-hmm. when he's on the phone trying to find people to help him, and he's like, "What did yeah, he's what, what did called, Elon he's say?" Calling for people for building, um, yeah, to, to rent out you know the factory and stuff like that. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. I thought that was really interesting because he he, he mentioned, and I think he may have mentioned Google or some an Amazon is one of the things too. I couldn't be, it wouldn't buy too quick, but it's, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah. So let's, I'll start with this. I'm going to give this uh, a straight six, five. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's definitely recommendable, but it's not, I don't think it's quite a seven, but it's, I mean, it's as close to a seven on a, on a, on a, you know, a, a whole number in a 0.5 scale that I can possibly make it. If that makes sense. That's a weird way to justify it. Um, I, I'm giving it a six. And if the real short version of it, this is twice as good as Christmas Chronicles is to me. Nice. Um, uh, that's, that's the easy way to do that. But I mean, this movie is very watchable. At least I thought so. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was hilarious. And I thought I actually had a pretty decent gunfight. You know, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. So I appreciated it. So there's that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this a, a 4.5. And just because I didn't enjoy this movie doesn't mean that I don't think there isn't a fun movie here. It just didn't hit with me if, for whatever reason. So for 4.5, I could almost recommend it to people. If someone is a Mel Gibson fan and they, they want to see whatever reason, I could tell them to watch this. That, you know, that, that's what would push it to a 5 for someone as a recommendation. So, But 4.5. All right, that's fair. I can understand that, sure. We weren't too far off from each other. I mean, the highest being a, the lowest being a four or five, the highest being a six five. It's only two yeah. points different when mm-hmm. we yeah. had very different uh, kind of viewpoints of how the film went. But yeah, I would um, just love to see more of this story, and we'll never get it. So, that's, well, like I said, you know, to, 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 tune in for for the Easter Bunny one when, in in two years when they put it out. Only if it's Mel Gibson. I'm telling you, this movie wouldn't if if it was someone else. There may be like. I mean, imagine Hemsworth or Jeremy, oh. or Jeremy Renner. I'm just saying, imagine any other big male actor right now. You know I don't you, think it you would don't, work. You don't, think Bruce, you don't think Bruce Willis could do something like this? I no, think Bruce I don't. Willis could do this. I, without I Mel, I don't think this movie would have done well without without Mel. I think it had to be. I think it had to be someone of his. You know, so okay, thing. let me let me actually let me let me touch on that for just one second because I know we're getting ready to wrap it up. 
Chris, I understand what you're saying. Like Bruce Willis could have done this, but I honestly think if you had Bruce Willis playing this, I think it would have gotten way more campy. You know what I, I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it would have been more like, "Wow, shit, this is Die Hard or that awful Death Wish movie he made a couple of years <laughs> yeah. ago." You know, I. I mm-hmm. Or this movie, I never looked at it as like a bad joke sort of movie. Like I never okay. got that vibe. Yeah, I I can agree with that. I'm just saying that you know, like like. Oh no, he's definitely not above making that kind of movie. Certainly yeah, not. <laughs> someone else could could someone else could do this. I don't. I think Mel Gibson was perfect for this role. I'm not saying that and that someone else could have stepped in and done this just fine. But I'm saying you know you could get you know another another old guard style actor that can have the gravitas that Grayson talked about in the beginning of this, how like, you know, the bar scene, given the speech, you have, some, you have actors that are still around that could fill a role similar to this for other, like other, you know, holiday characters. I think. I want Chris Christopherson as the Easter bunny. <laughs> I don't know. I think if this movie would have been received a little better, like it would have been like if they would have held it or they would have put it on a streaming service. Um, in an anti-COVID world, this movie would have been talked about quite a bit in, God, in many, in many circles. <laughs> I was, well, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Seriously, though? Uh, Steve Bellucci as the Easter Bunny. Ooh, I mean... Uh, put, some, could, put, put some rabbit ears on his head or something? With, with them eyeballs? I think you're in. I think you got something. I can see how that might work. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure, sure. Yeah. He'd be a little, a little nutty, a little maniacal. You, you'd almost have a Bugs Bunny character out of that. Interesting. Um, <laughs> I'd watch it. <laughs> well, before we, before we move to the end of the show, let's. Um, I want to just take two minutes and, guys, what is your go-to? Because this, of course, comes out on Christmas week, and we have we're a few days away from Christmas. What is your go-to Die Hard Christmas movie? I don't mean Die Hard is Die Hard. I mean one that you can watch every year without fail. I don't I'll really go first. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go first. I'm a big Grinch fan. Always have been. Which you mean, like the the Jim Carrey Grinches? No, no, the original Grinch, the the, the cartoon one from. Oh, the car- okay, okay. Well, yeah. I've been I've been asking that question to a lot of people lately in a film office where I work uh, in North Carolina, and a lot of them say the Jim Carrey one. I'm like I don't. That's like the last one on my list for Grinch movies. Is uh, I was never a fan of it. But yeah. what about you, Roger? Well, you know what movie I don't enjoy. Christmas. I don't enjoy um, the Christmas story, the Same. Ralphie movie. Like I don't, I don't, I don't understand the fascination with that film. I just don't get it. Um, why it's played for like you know seventy five consecutive hours for some reason. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. Um, yeah. I've been to the museum. I thought that was pretty cool. It's up in Cleveland, mm-hmm. but man, I don't. Why do people like this as much as they do? I get watching one movie once, but it was like, it's on. We got to put it on again. Why? Like, why? Why are we doing this? I don't. I don't get that. Now, I've never really been a big uh, Christmas movie kind of guy. I'm just. I'm not a super Christmassy person. I'm just not. But I mean, I'm sure um, one movie I do end up watching every year that I guess is sort of Christmassy is Just Friends because I think that movie's pretty funny. Hmm. Um, well, that's with Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart. Yeah, my wife loves yeah, that movie. That's a really f- the the funniest parts of those movies are when the brothers are fighting. I think that's yeah. that's just hilarious. When he's talking to Anna Faris's character about jerking off to her poster. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's him to it about an hour ago, <laughs> and his mom's. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's funny. But, 
I don't know. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds in a fat suit is kind of creepy. It is weird. Yeah. Because he also has many abdominal muscles. <laughs> <laughs> he, has, he also has all the abs. Him and Zac Efron both have all the abs. Um, um, yeah, there's, that's, that's really it for me. I don't, I don't really do it. Just like, I mean, it is what it is. I'm good for watching any good movie for Christmas. It doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. If people want to get together and watch a good movie, I'm good with that. Um, I think my go-to one is, is, is not one that a lot of people have on their list, but mine is Love Actually. That's a pretty decent movie, though. That's Richard Curtis, man. He knows how to make one of those movies. But I don't know. I definitely um, made the made the point that Gremlins is very much a Christmas movie because it is. So you should start to celebrate that for Christmas because not enough people <laughs> do. Gremlins is one hundred percent a Christmas movie. Yeah, aren't they both Christmas movies? The first one for sure. So yeah, so celebrate that. It should get as much attention as Die Hard. Just saying. Just actually, just as much. Just as much. <laughs> yeah, Die Hard isn't a Christmas movie. It's just set around Christmas time, just like um, Gremlins. You know, yeah, that's that's the same same concept. Love Gremlins. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. So mine's love actually, and I'll, and also a wonderful life. It's a guilty pleasure of mine because well, it's, it's okay, just so, so good. I guess, I guess I'm not. I watch It's a Wonderful Life every year on. Um, Christmas Eve, literally every year. It's the one thing we do before we go to bed. So I that's, guess that's I guess a hell of a movie. I mean, that's well, that's one of the. So, okay, yeah. so I did find out something weird about that movie. Do you know Amazon has that in colorized? Do they really? It's in color, yeah. I was like, what the hell is it? Because I was wa- I was on Amazon because I started watching um, the second season of the Jack Ryan series, and I'm scrolling through, and I'm like, it says it's a Wonderful Life, and it's a color picture, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah, they have a colorized version of the film. So, mm. I don't know if I'll watch it. It'll be weird. It'll creep me out. No, I mean, you should give it a go. Why not? No. This kid's untrustworthy. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Well, this has been episode 205 of For the Love of Cinema. Each new episode posts every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. on the podcast service your choice of the following five iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter at Love Shed Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. I am at Rod Stillian. Great. Uh, thanks for Bond. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I not have a Twitter, as he never says. Um, check out the show on Facebook. Always posting things there. And uh, send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And for next week, uh, we have a bit of a of a dilemma in the form that we're definitely doing Greenland and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which was shot in Pittsburgh, by the way. And Monster Hunter is the theatrical release. Now, because things are weird with COVID and things might be shutting down, it's just, you know, the members of this podcast and myself included may not feel safe. So we may audible to a movie on Netflix called The Professor and the Madman that if you watched Fat Man and you like Mel Gibson, that's another Mel Gibson movie and he is one of the better actors. So he's with Sean Penn in that one. So you might want to check that one out. But uh, we'll, we're going to do an alternate if we cannot get to Monster Hunter. But definitely Greenland at the end of the world. Roger's looking forward to that one. Yes. And definitely Ma Rainey's Black Bottom on Netflix with Denzel. Uh, I, I'm excited for uh, for the uh, the end of the world movie that we're going to see. Yes, Greenland. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched Roger. I just watched um, Olympus Has Fallen again. It's just I love that movie, man. Mike Fanning is back. The Mike Fanning Cinematic <laughs> Universe. Hey. 
I'm assuming it's it's a big universe. <laughs> There's a fourth movie coming, yeah, Lord willing. Five of these, just keep pumping them out every two years. I want a Mike Banning. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. It's a uh, it's a it's been a good year, and we uh, here's here's to another good year of uh, watching movies and talking about them. What is wrong? It's, with you? it's still been a good year for movies. I mean, we we still got to no, watch several it's movies a week. You watching Dune this week, you son of a bitch. Think about that. <laughs> Well, no, Dune. I don't think you're going to see Dune on HBO Max either. I don't. I think they're. I think they're going to hold it. Mm. After the snafu we talked about last week, I don't think they're going to show Wonder Woman. Might be the only big movie that they should, and, all, and only because it's right. It's, yeah, it's like days away. But I don't think we're going to see any other big movies come out day and date. I, I yeah. bet you they won't. I would risk COVID to go watch Dune. I will not. I'm not, I'm not so high at risking COVID to go watch Monster Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, wrong? Right. Is that wrong to say? No, I like it. Not wrong at all. Rod, are you going to make it weird? No, I already called you a son of a bitch. Just, I thought time would have expired already. You guys realize that I'm sitting here naked talking to you, right? I hope so. Yeah.